Welcome to the Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast, your weekly dose of strategies and mindset tools to build a business in alignment with your purpose and to get you playing a bigger game. I'm your host, Nicole Leno. Hello and welcome to the Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Leno, and today I am joined by a very special guest. I'm joined by Jolie Hamilton. She's a PhD, a research psychologist. She's a certified sex educator, TEDx speaker, and a sex and relationship coach. I am very excited to have you on the show today, Jolie. Welcome. Introduce yourself to the audience. Tell them a little bit about you. Thanks so much for having me, Nicole. It's great to be here because I totally resonate with the idea of limitless entrepreneurial (laughs) life. That totally works for me. Um, A little bit about me. I am a serial entrepreneur. I can't, even when I try to leave it, the siren song calls me back. I've started 12 businesses at this point. Um, I am a self-starter, obviously, and I'm a mom of seven teens as well. So I know about juggling a lot of balls all at once. So yes, that should be at the top of your bio as well. (laughs) Like mom of seven teenagers, like not just mom of seven. Yeah. Seven teenagers. Yeah. It's a bit like juggling chainsaws. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot, (laughs) but um, it's great. And it keeps me on my toes, which is only upping my ability to really show up and do what I need to do um, in business and in making sure that I don't separate my business from my life because I am now in the teenage phase, which means I'm on a limited time frame. I can't, I don't want to miss it. Right. So mm-hmm. I want to be growing. I want to be developing, but I also don't want to miss them. So I'm all about that juggle. <laughs> and just a very quick, before we get into everything, I'm so curious, what do your kids think teenage kids think of having a mom who is a sex educator? That is a great question because <laughs> Um, You know, they all they all have different feelings about it. And Mm -hmm. the resounding um, thing that I hear from them is, oh, but they're also all really (laughs) skilled now at actually just saying the words, saying the things that they need to say. And so what they don't do is talk about that with their friends. But what I hear them do when I'm listening to their conversations is the payoff because they are able to be that person out there in the world with with real information about how relationships work, about how sex can go. And so I think they're secretly okay with it, um, but they would always rather know a little bit less about my life. So they don't necessarily <laughs> tune into every podcast. <laughs> oh, that would probably be advisable for them to, to skip some episodes. <laughs> totally, definitely. But- I guarantee you they will thank you later. If not directly, silently to themselves, they're going to be very happy, proud, and grateful for the way that they grew up because you've you've raised them to not not denounce or hide their sexuality, to not feel like it's a dirty, weird, overly private thing. Like I think that we we kind of overly privatize our sex lives sometimes not that we should not that everybody has to be out with everything but that that there's some shame that goes along with it yeah there's a big difference between privacy and secrecy and when we move Mm. out of privacy like it's great to have private time my my husband and i have signals that the kids clearly understand some of them are as simple as just saying we're going upstairs now and we don't want to be interrupted 
Um, but just there's a difference between that. That's privacy. That's requesting privacy. And that's giving them a clear signal without any extra information. But secrecy, when things, when we accidentally shift over into secrecy, we do open the floodgates of the shame that y- most of us were raised with some shame around, uh, around sex. Even if our parents really tried, even my own children, I'm sure, will grow up with their own little, the little fingerprints of my own hangups. We get past these things. So my goal has always been to normalize and to expand your definition of what normal even means. Um, That's actually the whole syllabus for my human sexuality class is just expand your definition of what normal sexuality is. And Mm. so that's how I've raised my kids. And I think the payoff is everywhere because now, so the oldest are, they're adults now. They're, you know, they're over 18, the oldest three, and they can clearly state that it's better to know than not know. And they know how to seek out the information they need. And isn't that what we all want to teach our kids how to seek out the information, even if it's not from us? Absolutely. Yeah. Where, where they don't feel like they don't feel like they're alone because right. the world's not a scary place for me to go explore whatever, whatever answers I'm seeking. I can go openly seek them. Yeah. And find them and not have to do it in this secretive, hidden way. So much of the things that we don't like in this world are because people are hiding things or were taught to hide things or they weren't allowed to be who they truly were. Right. And I think that that's kind of, you know, we can segue into the conversation about entrepreneurship that I think that and the work that I do with people and what I love to do with people is because I think that's what most of us are seeking is it's it's the unfolding of who we are and the step in entrepreneurship is always it's just get one step closer each day to being fully and completely who you are yeah and when you do that suddenly things get easier and you start to find your purpose and you're living in your zone of genius and suddenly everything's working yeah i am so totally in alignment with that i my goal in life is to be my own weird self and it takes courage to step mm-hmm. into your weirdness but the very things that you that you cut off from yourself while you were growing up or while you were in a relationship that maybe was an almost fit or while you were trying to fit into certain groups or when you were trying to be something for a certain business. For instance, I, I ran a CrossFit gym for a while. Um, so mm-hmm. five years I spent deep in that world and I had to cut off some parts of myself because I, they didn't fit in that box of people who needed me to show up in a particular way with a particular attitude. When I was able to reclaim those, I've now been out of that business for seven years and reclaiming the parts that I had, I had separated myself. Mm. I am. I'm, I'm more myself. And now in business, I recognize how much more flow there is, how much time I save because I'm not monitoring myself and I'm not trying to be limited. I'm not because tr- that is a real thing we do. We try to limit ourselves into what we imagine other people want us to be in a particular situation. And it's an entirely a problem of the imagination. It's it's not most of the time. It's not somebody saying to us, "Please be smaller." Most of the time, it's what we imagine they're requiring of us. So if we can release ourselves from that imaginary request and move into our actual self and trust that the world wants us fully, the world wants us as we are. Uh, they it wants us to be in our wholeness. If we can trust that, then our potential is so it's exponential. It's it's an exponential growth potential at that point. 
Because that's what's calling to us, right? It's it's the whole version of us yeah. is calling us to be more that. And what happens is we have to, and it, it's not letting go of the quote unquote bad things or the things that we perceive as bad. It's about loving the shit out of them yes. and, you yes. know, and learning to just radically love and accept ourselves. Yeah. You know, I hear people talk about wholeness and there is a big movement right now and has been for probably 20 or 30 years, really all the time that I've been an adult and, and doing some, you know, self-work. Um, it's this idea that like you're born whole. So just return to your wholeness. And I'm okay. I get it. Like I get the idea. However, I prefer, um, so Carl Jung would talk about wholeness a lot. Um, old white guy. So we got to throw out some of what he said, but I'll keep, I'll keep all the good stuff. He would talk (laughs) about wholeness as, yeah, you come to the world whole. Absolutely. But it's an undifferentiated wholeness. It's unrefined and it can't, it can't really interact in the world the way that your full potential will be able to. So what we're trying to do is go through this process of growing up, of maturing. And that doesn't finish when we're 18, doesn't finish when we're 25, doesn't finish when we're 35. Instead, we get to our midlife somewhere between 30 and 55. And we realize that, oh, actually now, now that I've done all this buildup and I've moved away from that undifferentiated wholeness that maybe I've been missing and longing for, but now I'm I'm way out here and I'm all, I feel all cut up. I feel all separate and I feel kind of a jumble. We can feel like we're totally a mess. Putting all that stuff back together, um, I think of it as remembering, like remembering yourself, like actually sewing all the parts of yourself back together in a, in a design of your own making, that is differentiated wholeness. That's the kind of wholeness where I recognize my strengths, my, my limitations, my weaknesses, and where those, where those are, I figure out what I want to do with that. Because sometimes a thing that we're not good at is actually part of our wholeness because, because we are able to teach it better, or we're able to communicate about it better. I don't, I don't need to be here as some sort of perfect whole. I need to be here as an imperfect, unique, one, like multidimensional whole. It's a, it's a wild ride to go through midlife. <laughs> that whole, yeah. this whole middle section here it's, and become more and more ourselves. But it, learning to face those parts of ourselves that we don't necessarily, we don't love easily. We maybe love them, mm-hmm. but we love them like, oh, I really, this is so hard and get to that place that you were just saying radical acceptance and real love, falling in love with ourselves. When we can love ourselves, not in spite of our flaws, but because of them, that's, that's where I'm, that's where I'm headed. And it's, I mean, it's not a perfect thing. <laughs> I'm always just in a practice. It's a daily practice. It's a moment to moment practice, I think, to accept yourself and to, you know, be aware when you are judging, when you are trying to lop off some piece of you because it doesn't fit, it's not comfortable, you think it'll make other people uncomfortable. It is your definition your definition of what's safe is to be this and not that thing. And I'm yes. not going to be that thing. And I, I think that that's, that's what I notice with a lot of the people that I encounter, a lot of the women that I encounter. And I'm curious what you think about, you know, women coming into that middle stage of life. And a lot of people 
you know, a little enticed by social media, a little enticed by entrepreneurship and, and expanding in this other way and kind of taking a leap. There's a, there's, you know, is entrepreneurship the new like red Ferrari that, you know, like that everybody wants to take out for a spin and, and try on to see if they can be that big version of themselves. Yeah, I think that you're onto something there because I see more and more people recognizing that they that entrepreneurship is a path and it can it can be a spiritual path. It can be a soul path. It can be it can be your soulmate. It can it can be your mm-hmm. your seeking, your way of seeking and it has for me. The um the journey through all of my different ventures has been the journey of me becoming. That's that's part of what I'm out there doing. It's hard. It's meant that I've had to say goodbye to things. I, it's meant that I've had to stretch. And I do think that as as we, the economy is always reinventing itself. And right. And as more and more people recognize that they can bring their unique self into the world, more and more of us have to run independent ventures because there aren't going to be these umbrella companies who can can they don't they they won't know what to do with us right right it make it makes a whole different world and i think 30 years from now the world will be unrecognizable just as it as it has every every turn of a couple generations we see that happen and right now entrepreneurship is a way to choose growth every day. Because if you're not choosing growth mm-hmm. while you're an entrepreneur, you're not going to make any money and you're not going to be happy. You're just I not. I love that. I love that. Entrepreneurship is a way to choose growth every day. I yeah. love that. That fucking A. Yeah. That's really yeah. just, that's, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's that conscious choice of saying, and, and, you know, and I think that that's what draws people to it. If you're not in it for that and you're in it for the money and you're in it for something else, you're you're going to have either a really tough time. You're going to lose a lot of money. Yes. Or, or oh, it's and just, I've been there. Yeah. I've been there. My, my partner and I started a business together 10 years ago, 11 years ago, and he was in it for the money. He was in it because he thought we were getting into a, a good business venture. And he was like, I, you know, I'm kind of sick of corporate life. I'll just do this. Oh hmm. my goodness. I had no idea how much misery one could visit on themselves until I watched someone who was not a natural born inclined toward entrepreneurial life, at least at that phase of his life. He wasn't. And what it meant was he was working against his grain and he was miserable. And yeah, we lost plenty of money doing that because at every step of the way, it wasn't the path he wanted to be taking. The, mm-hmm. the best decision we ever made was to stop that, to end that and move into a place where he's now consulting again. He's like, he's working under an umbrella and he fits in places. There's nothing wrong with that. If that's your path, that's your path. Entrepreneurship is not for everyone and that's fine. Nothing needs to be for everyone. And no, it does not. It does not need to be for everyone. And, and I, 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 I completely agree with you. Like I do see with, with, with my husband, um, very supportive of my business, um, has an entrepreneurial spirit to some degree, but it's, it's the money side. It's the, yeah. it's the infinite potential. I think yes. he's in love with that. There's no caps, there's no limits. He's got a creative mind. So when he thinks about like, we build an app or we build this, we built a software company together yes. and all, all of that stuff. Uh, well, I mean, I built it. He kind of helps me think of 
ways to approach it and bringing teams together and all of that stuff. But he gets that part and he gets the money, he gets the passive income side. Uh, the growth side is the part that he doesn't understand. He's like, you're spending how much on a coach? Yes. What are they really teaching you? And I'm like, it's not so much that they're teaching me, like I'm learning, but it's the support and it's the, it's what I believe I can do. It's how they're pointing things out in my, in my awareness that are not in my awareness. And, and that party doesn't quite understand. <laughs> That's I, that is exactly why I have such a hard time describing to a certain type of person exactly what I do. Cause I'm like, well, I've been down the path. I've been down a whole bunch of paths. I studied my way out of a lot of messes. And hmm. so now I can stand next to someone and whisper in their ear, the thing that they need to hear. Because it was the thing I needed to hear. And that is not something you can do because of a particular degree or because of anything. It's it's just being myself next to someone who's going through a phase that I've been through before. And it is hard to describe to somebody who's used to going by the numbers or going by some sort of, I mean, I was trained to write learning objectives. I like them. They're fine. But the real magic happens in the room in that, that moment when a coach or someone sees they see what's going on and they help you see it for yourself. That's mm -hmm. the magic. It's not, it won't be enough for somebody to tell you. I could tell you what your problem is. That's not it. Letting you, letting you discover it yourself, but also shortening the timeline so you don't have to take 25 years to discover exactly. it. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and, it, and, and every, every moment like that, where somebody points something like that out to you, gives you that aha movement, gives you that it's opening you up to be able to make that assertion, make that, that observation yourself down the road. Like you become better. I always say that, that, you know, where, and going back to software speak, but I think that our brain and the way that we operate, I always look at it. Like I'll, I'll say to my clients, I'll be like, well, what do we think this is? Do we think this is an app problem or an operating system problem? Mm. You can try to install a new app, but yep. if you're on an outdated operating system, we've got to upgrade that operating system. This seems like an operating system problem. What are we doing here? What's the pattern that, that is perpetuating itself that we're not seeing or that you're not seeing that's keeping us, keeping you in this loop? I and love that metaphor. That's the work. That's what that's that's what you walk away with when you come out of a program and you're like, I didn't get the Instagram strategy I thought I was going to get. It didn't work. And it's like, did you learn something about yourself? Are you able to take the next step now in a new way? And and just coming at it from that perspective is so powerful. And that's actually what I do with relationships. So often people are hoping that when they when they seek out relationship help or they seek out business help, they're looking for an answer, but really it's being led into a path of deep self-discovery, that's where you're going to see big, big change. And I look at most of us get into our major romantic relationships from a place of hope, blind hope. We just jump and we're like, it'll be fine. Um, I have this feeling and it'll be fine. And there are going to need to be some significant operating system upgrades over the course of a relationship. Mm -hmm. Any relationship that lasts longer than three years is going to need some significant upgrades. And that is hard work. And it's not, and you're not going to have to do it at the same time. So you have to figure out what, what happens when two people have, they're working at different parts of their, their own evolution. What do you do with that? And what do you do when you see potential in a relationship and somebody else sees sort of static and they like that, they like that status quo. 
These are the same problems that people have in business. But when we get home, we forget everything we've learned about business. And we're like, I have no idea. This is just a problem and I hate it. Um, so what I do is help people like transla- translate. We can leverage the skills that we have in business into, oh, wait, I do know what to do when I have a seemingly intractable problem. I do know what to do when it feels like I'm out of alignment with my overall goal at, in a business. I know what to do there. How do I do it at home too? That's my, that's Life what skills. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Life skills. It's, yeah. you know, it's, you're upgrading your operating system for all aspects. You can run all sorts of apps on totally. that operating system when you've got a fully functioning bug-free or seemingly bug-free system going on. Yeah. Then you can you can you can move mountains. You can do you can do really amazing things. People ask me all the time how I raised seven kids while getting my master's degree, my PhD. I actually got my bachelor's, my master's, and my PhD all while they were. And I was always running a business too. And it's because I was constantly doing the back-end work. I was keeping the system as bug-free as possible. And I was addressing those problems. Um, I was mm-hmm. going in and doing those overnight overhauls <laughs> that feel like they take too much time and you wish you didn't have to do them. But that's what made it possible to, on the outside, look like, like I was performing impossible tasks. But mm. the system could run smoothly because we were doing that mm-hmm. back-end work. It's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to go back to one thing that you said earlier. You you said that um that you know that your partner was was working against his grain. Yeah. And I'm curious if we could take that concept and just kind of let's just apply that going against your grain with just the, the, the listeners for this, this show. So there's, there's a woman listening right now who wants to know if she's going against her grain, things aren't working and she's wondering what, what needs to happen. I'm curious what your definition of going against the grain is and, and how that can show up. Yeah. So going against the grain for me is it's a, the signals that you are receiving from a whole bunch of different fronts from different sensory fronts um, and intellectual fronts that tell you that you are not on a path that you want to be on. You're the first thing I have people do to identify that is turn to the body because the body has Mm -hmm. so much information for us. And I'm sure I'm not saying anything that hasn't been said before. When I say, have you actually stopped, allowed yourself to quiet and checked in and and not checked in with your thoughts. It's so easy to go through. I'm going to go check in and you go right to your thoughts. No, go to the body. And I, I am a Myers-Briggs ENTJ. So I resisted this for so, so long. <laughs> go to the body and let it tell you how it actually feels, not your emotions, your sensations. If your sensations are out of whack, so if your digestion's out of whack, if you are feeling um, weight or heaviness or um, tightness or a a heavy vibration or or ringingness, there's all these different ways we can describe these sensations. And when we go there and check and we're like, oh, actually, everything's a mess, that's the signal that I'm going against my own grain. It's you're out of alignment with what your your what I would call what your soul needs, your what your your whatever you showed up here to do, and you might not know yet. Maybe this was fine. This doesn't even have to be a failure because you may have traveled down this path. To be sure, it's not yours. Sometimes that's the only way to find out. We Mm. go down the path, we find out what's there, and we turn around and we haul ass out of there. 
to go find a different path. That's the only way. Um, And when you get back out of there, you're not starting from the same place you were before. You're starting with all the information gathered and a renewed sense of purpose to find the actual path. If you have those sensations of misalignment in your body, that was not your path. It's such a clear answer. Um, There are a million other ways we can tune in, but that one is so simple and it's right there for us all the time. And then what happens then? So what's the what's that next step then for them? So I've I've determined that I have these feelings in my body. I can I can feel these sensations. They are not good. They are sounding the alarm bells that I'm on the wrong path. Yeah. What are the steps you take to get to the right path? So I'm all about an action plan. I think that this is where we we have to turn to our actual strengths, something that we've established six as a success point for us over the long haul. Um, if you're an organizer, you're going to turn straight to a list and you're going to make an action step plan for how I get out of the situation I'm in so that I can reestablish. But if you are the kind of person who talks your way out of problems and that has always worked for you, go get a friend, get a whiteboard, And talk about this problem until it is all out. Let them take notes for you and talk it all out. I mean, this is real. I get really practical here because so often when we have walked down this path that doesn't work for us, we feel totally stuck. It's like you're physically jammed into a little teeny corner and Mm -hmm. it feels like there's no solution. So you need to turn to your, your strategies for successful action. So what has moved you forward in the past? Um, for me, it's usually that talking solution. I need to talk about it. No amount of writing is going to get me out of there. No amount of signing up for things is going to get me out of there. But finding a person who can allow me to verbalize it, that will. I have a friend who mm-hmm. I've worked with several times who absolutely has to turn to her meditation practice. She has to, no matter what. She has to return to that. And she has to do it for like a month before her next step will be clear. And that month often feels excruciating. She's like, I'm losing money. I feel stuck. But by the end of the month, the answers are clear. So this is, again, it's about getting to know yourself. But I'm willing to bet that your listeners, most of them, have been doing this long enough to have had some successes, had some failures, and identify one of those ways that they are able to tune in. And that's your route out. My route to safety isn't going to be yours. My route to safety is through talking and then through studying. That that those are my two. That's and that's the order I have to do them in. I have to talk, then I study. And sometimes that study comes in the form of people, and sometimes it comes in the form of books. Depends. I'm glad that you brought that up because that's something that I have been paying very, very close attention to with myself lately. Because what's what's my method out? What's my, my method? Cause it doesn't have to be to trash the entire thing. And yeah. cause it, it could just be a moment of being like, why, why do I not want to work right now? Why am I not feeling in alignment? I, I don't think I need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't need a new business or anything like that, but right. I do need to connect to something and I'm not doing that right now. So I have been paying very close attention to what works for me. And I'm like, I'm a lot like you where I I like to talk things out, but I've realized I need a lot of white space. I need, I need, and I think that that's kind of universal. I think that it's, it's never to do more. Um, You kind of have to, you got to take a breath and come away from the problem because you're too close to it. And the doing just ends up 
perpetuating that bad feeling, at least in my experience. I haven't seen anybody do their way out and be like, that was totally the answer. The only time I think, right. The only time I think that that is good. That's actually exactly that. I have had clients where I have recommended to them to basically run headlong into the wall because they are, Mm. they're caught in a loop of their own creating and what they need is total exhaustion. So I would recommend the same thing I would recommend if I were physically training them. I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to go really blast it out and you are going to, you're going to work to physical exhaustion. And then, um, I will see you back here in one day. And we're going to talk this all out because when they have actually gotten themselves into that stupor of exhaustion, then they're ready to say, okay, wait, I don't think I need another marketing strategy. I don't think I, okay. I know what I don't need because that felt terrible. It's, it's kind of a mean trick to play on someone. Um, and I, I save it as a, a move of last resort, but when I was a doer, I always thought that doing was my way out. Sometimes if that's your mode, what you have to do is run the marathon. And right after a marathon, there's this moment of clarity where like, oh, I could be anything I wanted. And the trick there is to hear the B. I could be anything I wanted, which doesn't mean I can do anything I want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have some physical, spiritual, emotional stuff that may stop us from doing some of the things we want. But I believe we can transcend those in the realm of being. It's it's a trick. It's it's not like it's it's a it's a leap to get there. It's not going to be easy. <sighs> I think what's interesting and and what I've experienced with myself and with clients too is that that you know better to spend time finding the alignment than finding the next thing to do when something isn't working. And to ask ourselves, like, what would make me feel aligned right now? What would feel good? Like, how can I get into feeling good for just a moment? Yes. And when you feel good, then the idea comes, then you have space in your brain to kind of accept an idea and, and have it, have it blossom there, that when you're not creating space for it, that can sometimes be, you know, and I'll, I'll just share like a very quick story. I, I was running really hard. I was definitely feeling like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what the next thing is to do feeling like I was in perpetual motion. And then mm-hmm. I was, this was just last week. I was standing on something in my backyard and I fell off. And I like, and I burst into tears, not necessarily from the pain. I had my very expensive camera in my hand. So I kind of fell to break the fall of the camera. So I didn't break my camera. So I hit my elbow really hard. I busted up my leg and Mm. luckily I was really fine, but I burst into tears. And I said, I was like, I just realized how much emotion I was not allowing to come out. And, And I do a lot of work on this stuff and I lost it. And I was like, I think that this was literally me, the universe knocking some sense into me. Yeah. And I think the message here is that I need to stop. And I took like two days, not off. Like I still did my obligation, but I did nothing extra. And I took walks and I played in space. And I was like, let me just feel what, it, let me just try to get into alignment with something real. And so much clarity. Yeah. So many more answers, so much more like can work again. Like, and so sometimes it, you know, the, the, there's a lesson or there's, there's a gift in everything. So you're reminding me of something I, I require all of my students to do. So I, I am also a professor um, and I teach undergrad human sexuality, which is a, a fascinating space to be in because you're going to have all these people who really have no idea what they just signed up for, but it's about to get real personal and real deep, real fast. <laughs> 
the very first thing we do on the first day is create a plan for them, a safety plan. How are they going to deal with that moment where everything is not is awful? Everything's horrifying and they're going to be in the middle of a semester and it's going to be busy and all of that. So they're going to have all the busyness, but then there's also going to be this pent up emotional stuff. We're going to get to some part of sexuality that like triggers them or sets them off or makes them remember something. Who knows? It's key that they set up this self-care plan as an, as an actionable thing to do at the beginning before they think they need it. And I make it a requirement. It actually has one of the highest grades of the whole semester. And it's so simple. You know, I make them find a piece of music that they can turn to, a friend that they can call, a the exact moment what when they will recognize what will the feeling be? I'll make them remember what's the feeling going to be. And I make them write it all down. And when they write all this stuff down, and there are a few other things on it. So it's a one page, but it's a one page that then when I watch them spinning up, boom, back to that. And some of them- Survival guide. It's a survival guide. Yeah. And some of them, that's the first time. And I recognized that that is not a thing we get taught to do. We get told about self-care, but we don't get told to create a safety version of that self-care. But it sounds like you recognized it. The universe- literally knocked you over and you're like, whoa, okay, engage my safety protocol. (laughs) What do I need to do? I got to call, I got to pull this back and let yourself, you have so much wisdom, but you have to be able to access it. We can't access it when we're strung out, when when we're all, when we feel like we have to be and do everything all at once. Mm hmm yeah and it's and the the more i go on the the longer i go on the older i get the more i pay attention to that stuff yeah and the more i pay attention to that stuff the more i lean into feeling good the more i lean yes. into feeling to to taking care of myself and not in a necessarily bubble bath sort of way but really looking at it cuz it's not a bubble bath at the end of the day it's it's saying that like i've just recently looked at myself and i said like i am overscheduled Yes. I need to block out more white space on my calendar. I need more time off and not necessarily off like where my nanny doesn't come and I watch my son. Like I need, Uh I need time. I need CEO time and CEO time to rise to that level is me having enough space to see the next step. Yes. Because when you're running, you're not, you're, you're, you're busy looking forward. You're not, you're not looking at, you're not looking down the road. And you're not have there's no space for ideas. And that just leads to burnout. And that just leads to just too much going on. So I, I I love this conversation and I love like the perspective that you brought to this and just the interesting way that you look at all of this. I I I, I love it. I'm I'm I, I love the show because I get to speak with so many people who have different and similar views to me and just get to be exposed to all of these different perspectives. So thank you so much for being on and sharing your story and sharing all of your knowledge and wisdom with with me and with the audience. Thank you so much for being here. You're so welcome. It was a pleasure to talk to you. And I love that you're taking this direction. Entrepreneurship can be that re- that that move that our that our soul desires us to make um, if we allow it to be. It doesn't have to be just business. Yeah, I I think that that's how it becomes a pleasure. And that's how it becomes like, you don't get knocked down by the failures because they're not failures, they're your lessons. And it's just like, this is somehow making me stronger. Um, So, so thank you. So uh, please tell the listeners where they can stay in touch with you. Um, How can they, how can they get more of you and what you offer? 
Yeah. So people can find me pretty easily. Um, I'm My website is joliehamilton.com. That's J-O-L-I and Hamilton, like the musical, nice and easy. And um, if you pop on there, you'll see that I work with women entrepreneurs. And what I do is help them figure out how to strategize the absolute best life they could possibly have, which includes digging into their relationship, their sexuality, all the messy stuff that nobody else talks about. Um, and doing it from an action forward place. We don't have to just stay in our feelings. This is this is about transcending that that either or of feelings or not. So people can find me there, you can book a strategy call, and if you're interested in just learning more and getting a flavor of me, you can find my book Project Relationship: The Entrepreneur's Action Plan for Passionate Sustainable Love on Amazon. Lovely. Well, we'll link all of that up in the show notes. So don't feel pressured to, to write it all down if you're driving or something. We've got you all hooked up. Just hop on over to the show notes and you'll be able to just click a little link and be brought over to all of those resources. Um, thank you so much for listening. Jolie, thank you for being here. This was just such a pleasure to talk to you. And I know that everybody got so much value out of this interview. And if you are still listening, if you made it all the way to the end, I am so grateful for you. I'm so grateful that you stayed with us to the end of this conversation. And I want you to remember that you are only limited by the limitations that you accept. When you stop accepting those limitations, that is when you become limitless. Have a great rest of your day, everyone. We'll see you on the next one. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more of this type of content and conversation in your life, please come check out our free Facebook community, Unlock Your Inner CEO, where you'll find next level entrepreneurs just like you. Go to innerceogroup.com to join. I'll see you there.